Hello, I'm Doc Watson. I'm Dale McCurry. And this is Mike Wiseman reminding you that you're listening to WMNF Tampa, Florida. If you're getting a new car, don't trade in your old one. Give it to WMNF. Your support is worth more than a low trade-in offer and helps ensure your favorite programs are here for you and your community. Call 1-888-966-3885 or visit WMNF.org. The opinions presented on The Healthy Steps Show are the evidence-based opinions of Dr. Fred Harvey, the callers, and his guests. These are not the opinions of the staff, the volunteers, or the board of WMNF. The information provided on the show is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. There is no implied patient-physician relationship in these calls. <clears throat> the nature of the calls is educational and informational only. Hello out there, my dear friends, and thank you for keeping your radio tuned to WMNF Tampa. And definitely welcome to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey. Today, the good doctor wants to engage us in a discussion on summer ramifications, heat, hydration, and the benefits and consequences of the Florida <coughs> sun. You are invited to participate in this discussion, or if you have any related medical questions, by calling 813-239-9663 or sending an email to dj at wmnf.org. You can also text us at 813-433-0885. Good morning, Dr. Fred. Today you want to discuss hot fun in the summertime, heat, ultraviolet, and a whole gamut of subjects. I can't help but think of all the folks that I knew back in the foolish days of my youth who would slather on baby oil and sit out on St. Peter Dunedin <laughs> Beach to get a tan on a deferred payment plan, and now they have to pay those tabs with various skin issues. I don't really want to front load the show, so what have you got for us, Dr. Fred? Thank you, Bill. That was an excellent intro. My pleasure. We the... Um, Nature of summer is, uh, it's kind of, um, uh, uh, nebulous, I think. The people are doing all kinds of different things. Um, people on vacation, people moving around. And so I figured this is a good place to talk about different topics. And, um, I'll just open it up that, uh, you don't have to stick with, uh, excessive heat, hydration, or, um, ultraviolet questions today uh we can open it up to basically any kind of questions um i wanted to actually start with just asking for some help from the listeners um you know doing a show every week is uh, very intense and there are lots of topics we can talk about but i would like to get topics that you people are interested in um, i want more engagement i want more excitement on the show so, if you could help out by emailing dj at wmnf.org um, and put in the subject line, Healthy Steps Show, so that we know it comes to the Healthy Steps Show. And I would like to hear your opinions about who it is that you listen to on podcasts, um, who health-related, that is, um, because I would like to reach out and invite people that do good podcasts to come on the show and talk and answer questions. Clever idea. I have a list. I think it's wonderful. And I just really, I would like to know who you listen to because I want to talk about things that you want to talk about. And so in addition to who you listen to and who you might want as an interview guest, should I be able to get them on here? Um, also topics. Um, send in what you want to talk about, what you want a show to focus on. And um, I will look at the responses and uh, try to help you out as much as I can. Because this show is fun for me, and I would like to have it more fun for you. And I think if you know what we're going to be talking about and you want to talk about it, it'll be better. 
Yeah, if it's their input, they have a real commitment to the show, and I like having them being a part of the actual involvement. I think it makes it a much richer show all the way around instead of yes, a monologue. This is, it's a community, and I want the community to engage. So um, uh, give me some more input. Um, please email today, email tomorrow. When you look for some of the links that I've put up to support the sometimes very provocative conversations that I start. Um, and when you go to the Healthy Steps site, you can actually click on the uh, uh, um, email there. It's, it takes it right to dj at wmnf.org. Um, um, leave us messages. Let's talk. Let's engage more. Um, go and look up these links that I've, I've uh, uh, put out there. It's on the healthystepshow.com website, and you can find all the links that I've talked about. The show notes are there, and they're not really a story because the story is on the show what's on the website is some show notes and some links so it's a hot summer folks have you noticed <laughs> um excessive heat is a real issue and um the government uh health uh, you know the the cdc uh has really put together some good things the um um uh EPA. There's lots of different people out there to put out information. Weather.gov is a good site. So I put up a link for weather.gov, safety uh, and heat. Um, it's um, um, from the National Weather Service and it talks about heat exhaustion, heat stroke, um, the different levels of issues that occur for people when they get into too much heat. So a, uh, a heat uh, uh, watch is when they're expecting that temperatures are going to be up in the low hundreds. Um, a heat warning um, takes it to the next level, and that is when temperatures are going to be in the uh, 105 to 109 degrees east of the um, Blue Ridge and 104, 100 to 104 west of the Blue Ridge. So Eastern America is a little bit higher. Um, and they expect that that will be within the next 24 hours. If the um, uh, temperature is expected to be 115 degrees for a single day, you'll get an excessive heat warning. And basically, you should stay inside on those days if you could possibly do it. But um, it will be lowered to 105 to 109 degrees if it's a multi-day heat wave. And so you have to pay attention to both the temperature and the feels-like temperature because there's an issue. The best way to cool down in hot temperatures is evaporation of water from your skin. It's a little easier in the west of the Blue Ridge because the water evaporates from you immediately. In the, in the east of the Blue Ridge, we got a lot of humidity. And when you're in Florida and the, te the temperature's uh, 90 and the humidity's 90, you can't really evaporate your sweat very effect efficiently. And so you need to get into a cooler place. So First things first, if you start to get cramps in your muscles when you're out working in this hot weather, stop. Apply some firm pressure to the muscles. Get some sips of water unless you're nauseated. Get to a cool place, of course. And if you vomit, um, then uh, uh, you might want to consider uh, getting more help. Um, it's not likely with just some heat cramps. Heat exhaustion is the next level where you're getting heavy sweating, weakness, cool, clammy skin with fast pulse, headaches, vomiting. You need to get in air conditioning. Um, I was actually working in the yard the other day and I started getting, um, uh, not quite to the point of 
cool, clammy skin. But I sat down outside and in the shade and drank some cool water, but I could not get cool. I dumped the glass of ice water over top of me and I could not get cool. I had to go inside. It was just so hot. I made the mistake of working around noon. Um, so I was working on heat exhaustion myself. Heat stroke is when you goes worse than that and you've got throbbing, headache, confusion, nausea, temperature of the body goes over 103. The skin is hot, red, dry, and there's a rapid pulse. Person might even lose consciousness. Um, in heat exhaustion, if you're nauseated, probably shouldn't be doing um, uh, fluids at that point, but get into a cool shower, cool bath, um, and, and try to cool the body down. Uh, but if you vomit more than once, get to the emergency room because it could be moving into a more serious condition. Um, if somebody is having the heat stroke with the high temperatures and they're having changes in consciousness, just call 911 because that person needs immediate help. So um, I've been talking a while and I think we ought to invite people to call. And we the number do. is eight. Well, go ahead, Bill. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, I'm. This is my little piece to participate it in your show. Indeed. <laughs> I like to be selfish, I guess. Um, y'all are listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. And you can participate, and we're looking forward to you participating by calling 813-239-9663 or continue sending your emails Excuse me, to dj at wmnf.org. And you can also text us at 813 813- Four three three zero eight eight five. Let me give you that phone number again for calling on in eight one three two three nine nine six six three. All right, back to you, Doctor Fred. Thank you, Bill. So, in addition to the heat, we got the sun, and the sun is hot this year, um, and it's got a lot of ultraviolets, and that is a danger for us. The um, uh, EPA, epa.gov has a really great um, area um, uh, section of its website on um, radiation and ultraviolet radiation is something we deal with. So um, any wave that comes out of an energetic body is radiation essentially. And there's different qualities of these uh, radiation um, um, energies and ultraviolet we know um, actually is a Somewhat, um, uh, it's a light spectrum, um, uh, energy and, but it's a very high energy light. Um, it penetrates, it causes, um, damage to the DNA through oxidative stress. And so we know that it, you know, prolonged exposure with continuous injuries to the skin will result in problems that are well documented. I think, um, we have all seen the leather skin of the sun goddess from the 70s that did use that um, beautiful uh, baby oil to enhance their uh, performance in the sun. Uh, unfortunately, now the skin hangs off the body like crepe because the proteins in the skin were damaged and it no longer has any resilience and it's covered with scaly things and cancers. Um, the problem with that is that there's not much we can do to recover that damage, so we want to prevent it. So easiest thing to do is don't go out into the peak sun. Don't go out between 10 and 4 unless you have a big wide brimmed hat. Um, some of that, uh, you know, long, long, uh, long sleeved, uh, and long pants. Um, 
the, the type that outdoor exercisers are using uh, either. Now, you can use, you know, light linens so that they breathe. However, because they're light and breathe, ultraviolets get through them. So they're a lower ultraviolet protection than the tightly woven, but yet still breathable, uh, new fabrics, these synthetics that fishermen and other uh, uh, sportsmen are using. Um, the Those are very, very good at reducing your overall risk, especially if you're going to be in peak sun. Um, if you have to work outside in peak sun, wear the wide-brimmed hat. Use neck protection. Um, you know, the term redneck came from people working in the sun and getting the back of their necks burnt. Um, the um, Things that we have in addition to avoiding peak sun are uh, things like, uh, uh, obviously, we have clothing, but we have uh, sunblock, uh, commercial, available cosmetic products. They have been well-marketed for many years. Um, I remember when I was a kid coming to Florida in the 70s and finding the Tiki Hut by Hotel Pools that had the tall blonde guy that was selling uh, Hawaiian Tropic. Ron, I can't remember his last name, launched that in the in the early 70s. And what a marketing ploy. Um, right by the pool. Smells like coconut and, um, um, and pineapple and other tropical fruits. Who wasn't going to buy the stuff? The thing is, it had virtually no skin protection. Uh, SPF 2, SPF 4, SPF 6. It was like really putting smelly stuff on your skin that you thought was helping. Um, as we developed more and more technology to protect the skin from these um, um, harmful, supposedly harmful rays. Now, you have to remember, ultraviolet radiation does have good benefits, and we do need some. Um, and so... Um, getting sun is important, but outside those peak sun hours. Um, so when we look at these products, they have products for the lips, they have products for the body, they have products for the baby. Um, and when I look at these labels, I see that many of them are made with toxic petrochemical substances. And I'm not even talking about the sunblocks, but the creams and things themselves are made with stuff we probably don't want to put on our body. Many of them have fragrance in it, and fragrance is an unknown quantity because it's not required to be um, uh, elucidated on the label. You don't have to know what the fragrance is. It just you know that there's fragrance there. It can be any kind of toxic substance. Um, there's a great website, the Environmental Working Group, uh, ewg.org, has a subsite called Skin Deep. So it's ewg.org/skindeep. And that's one word, skin deep. You can look at 80,000 different cosmetics there. And they rate the cosmetics based on their potential toxicity. And they're very, very uh, accurate, very, very um, um, good science behind the recommendations that they have. And they're so strict that they even will recommend that products that have uh, retinol, which is vitamin A in it, might be avoided because it has a potential for cancer. And that's been in some studies. However, that's a very controversial thing. And I think that vitamin A is also shown to prevent cancer. So they're a little excessive on certain things. Vitamin A, I don't think is as big a problem as they're saying that it might be on there, but they're trying to be very cautious. 
the things that are really the problem, and these show up, I saw there's so many of them that show up in the lip products. So you're actually ingesting this junk. Um, things that have uh, uh, the end of the word benzone or salate or oxate. So we're looking at oxybenzone, avobenzone, homosalate, um, cinnamoxate, homoxate, and then the parabens. Um, these are all potential carcinogens, hormone manipulators, and otherwise toxic substances that we don't need. And they may be associated with an increased risk of skin cancer because of their toxicity. Also, in the lip ones, I've seen many different FDC dyes and flavors. And so dyes and flavors, again, hormone manipulators, uh, uh, immune modulators, and potential carcinogens. Why they're in something that's supposedly protecting you from cancer, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> the body pro uh, um, um, products have fragrance, of course, um, salates, oxates, benzones, all of these are showing up there too. Um, in baby formulas, there's a lot of baby formulas that are actually not, I mean, uh, uh, sunscreen formulas that are uh, spray on because it's easier. So in there, they have isobutane for a propellant. I don't think I really want to be spraying my kid with isobutane. And many of them, the higher ones that have like 60 or 70 sunblock use oxybenzone. Oxybenzone has been shown in uh, research to cause uh, fish to change sex. It causes fish hermaphroditism. It causes male fish to develop ovaries and start making eggs. It's a very strange thing. Also, the women, there was a study that showed that women that have the highest levels of oxybenzone in their blood have lower birth weight babies. We don't want to be using these things. So there is an option. There really is an option. Um, zinc oxide and titanium dioxide are low risk. And they're even lower risk if you don't use that new fangled nanotechnology. We don't need nanotechnology for skin products because we're not planning on driving these products through the skin. What we're trying to do is use them to reflect light. Because think about it, zinc oxide and titanium oxide, have you ever seen a, 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 a surfer or a lifeguard's nose? They're bright white. <laughs> so they, they can reflect all that sun off the nose. And so... When you see a, 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 a label that has zinc oxide as the principal active ingredient and it's not containing benzones, salates, oxates, and these other things, you're in a better place. And then when you continue reading the label and you read that the ingredients are natural, one label, I'll just read it quickly to you here, has the inactive ingredients, basically the carrier cream, aloe vera juice or no, aloe barbadensis juice, which is its cousin, um, chamomile flower oil, um, caprylic and capric triglycerides. Those are coconut oil generally, uh, sunflower seed oil, um, lavender flower oil, magnesium, olive fruit oil, um, and then some other things that are related to coconut, the polyaminopropyl biguanide and polyglycerol 10 laurate. They, they're naturally derived chemicals. They sound like they're probably petrochemical, but no, they're, they're coming from plants and castor seed oil and jojoba seed oil and, um, uh, an emulsifier called sorbitan stearate, which is a, a sugar derived product, uh, vitamin E and water. There's, there's none of the 
parabens, um, um, all of the strange extra things that might show up in um, the water um, or in the uh, in the product. So the um, um, options you have are really many, um, and I've I've looked because I, I only use the natural products on me when I use them, but my rule is to um, use them. Um, um, really only when I have to go out in the peak sun, I try to wear long, uh, uh, sleeves when I'm doing sun activities during that time. Um, but, uh, I do want sun on my body and I've noticed something, um, that is a little disturbing when I go on my morning walk, um, at seven in the morning, or I go to the farmer's market at eight in the morning, I smell, uh, uh, uh so many people with fragranced, uh, sunblock walking by me at that time of the morning. Um, unfortunately, they have been scared into inappropriate action. We need sun. Sun helps us make vitamin D. We need sun because it enlivens our cells. And if we put this chemical swell on our body, every time we encounter the sun, we're not actually having a natural encounter with the life giver in the sky. And so... We need to have some time where we're not covered with chemicals preventing our interaction with the external environment. One of the other chemicals that's in these things that actually I don't like is the, uh, the, the water resistance. Um, when you put this stuff on that it sticks to your skin, it seals your pores and you can't sweat appropriately as well either. And it's, and it's, and it sticks to you and it leaves these petrochemicals on your body for long periods of time, including the potentially hormone disruptive fragrance and dyes and other things like that. So we really want to, um, um, consider getting sun, um, in the morning before 10 o'clock and after four o'clock in the afternoon. These, horizontal essentially uh rays are are not really the kind of rays that do as much damage and you need some sun that it uh, walking in the morning um uh, without sunglasses on before 10 o'clock actually can lift your mood but as we're out walking in this weather we need to hydrate and i think it's really important to have that flow coming in and honestly I think we need to have some flow coming in from the listeners. I would like to hear some calls or oh, answer a uh, an email. That was a clever little segue into it. Well, you're looking over the emails. I'll give on out the phone number and general information and tell folks that they're listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WMNF Tampa. And we're inviting you all to participate by calling 813 813- Two three nine nine six six three, or send an email to dj at wmnf.org. And you can also text us at 813-433-0885. So what do folks in the email world have to say to us today, Dr. Fred? Well, Bill David sent us one that wants me to address the recent listeria outbreak here in Sarasota County. Um, the Big All-Off Creamery has had uh, uh, several incidents of listeria. And um, uh, David also um, mentions that there was a uh, Bluebell ice cream listeria scare in 2015. And apparently Vice TV Network has a great um, uh, documentary on how Bluebell mishandled this public health crisis. I think, it, I think this is a really interesting question. And it goes to a very big picture. What's the government doing 
with our food supply. Um, listeria is well known to occur in the milk of diseased cows. Concentrated animal farm operations, like we see most dairy farms acting as, are basically creating diseased animals. And so they're using antibiotics and all kinds of things to keep these animals healthy. And so listeria has been well known as part of a milk contamination problem. And it's why um, most states outlaw the use of raw dairy. We can't have raw dairy coming from concentrated animal farm operations because they're all sick. But when you have a herd of 20 cows, you can take care of those cows. And you can make sure that they stay healthy. And when you have one that's unhealthy, you can segregate it from the herd until it gets well. And so um, raw dairy doesn't have the kind of problems with listeria that concentrated animal farm organizations and operations do. And I would bet that Big Olaf buys from a large distributor like Cisco because it's easier to get your milk from a large place like that. I don't know. But I would be surprised if they're using raw dairy because it's illegal to use raw dairy in product in Florida. So this is government-controlled pasteurized dairy. They make us pasteurize the milk and ruin the proteins in the milk with ultra-pasteurization to prevent listeria because we're allowing people to do very dangerous, abusive, and torturous animal husbandry. Tortured cows get sick. We should stop this. We should break apart the monopolies these big organizations have on growing cows because that's where our problem comes with listeria. It's not coming from well-cared-for, good animal husbandry farms that happen to have um, raw dairy. Um, we really need to um, um, think seriously about that. I think we have a caller. We do indeed, and I would like to welcome John to the show. Good morning, John. Uh, yes, good morning. Uh, doctor, I've got a, a question for you about, um, it's a, a bit off topic from, from your original, uh, suggestions, but I've been dealing with a very persistent and chronic MRSA for what seems to be like almost 10 years now. And, um, even though it's supposed to be sensitive to a few antibiotics, they've not been successful. It'll clear me up for a few weeks, and then it'll come right back again. I've recently come across um, articles about um, phage therapy or the use of something called pom-pom molecules that apparently destroy MRSA within minutes. Mm. Do you know anything about these therapies and, and, and any advice and suggestions you might have? Uh, that's a very interesting. Uh, uh. The National Weather Service in Ruskin has issued a tornado warning for southwestern Pasco County in west central Florida until 10.45 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. At 10.30 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, a confirmed water spout was located just offshore near Beacon Square, or near Holiday, moving northeast at 10 miles an hour. Hazard, tornado. Source, weather spotters confirmed water spout moving onshore. Impact, 
flying debris will be dangerous to those caught without shelter. Mobile homes will be damaged or destroyed. Damage to roofs, windows, and vehicles will occur. Tree damage is likely. This tornado will be near Newport Ritchie, Holiday and Beacon Square around 10.45 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Other locations impacted by this tornado include Elfers. Take cover now. Move to an interior room on the lowest floor of a sturdy building. Avoid windows. If you are outdoors, in a mobile home, or in a vehicle, move to the closest substantial shelter and protect yourself from flying debris. Repeating, a tornado warning has been issued until 10.45 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time for the following county, Pasco, Florida. And functional medicine's purpose is to help you change the soil, to help you change the terrain. So one of the first things we would do in this situation is actually look at your whole microbiome. Do a gut test and see what you have growing there, supporting or not supporting you. Look at certain pro uh, processes in the immune system. Look at things that may be toxifying your system, like mold, that would make it difficult for your um, um, immune system to fight off infection. Looking for things like petrochems and um, uh, toxic metals. All of these things can contribute to an inability to clear an infection. It's not the lack of antibiotic. It's not the lack of the right antibiotic. It's the problem with your terrain and it needs to be fixed. And I would say you should seek out a functional medicine doctor. Go to ifm.org and use the doctor finder and find a local doctor who can help you with this problem. I'm sorry, it was ifm what? Dot .org, Institute oh. for Functional Medicine dot org. Oh, okay. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. You're very welcome. All right. Have a great day. And you. Right, I'm going to just interrupt here. I don't know whether this is actually being heard or not, but I've got to notice that there's a um, emergency broadcast announcement going on out about a tornado in the Newport Ritchie area. So bunker down. Definitely. Back to you, Dr. Fred. Thank you for that. Jeannie sends a question. My husband has always been very physically fit, running weights, meditation. Grew up in Florida. Um, he just turned 70, said he feels the heat more now. Does age affect your ability to endure the heat? Very good question. Yes. Um, the, the two groups of people that have the most trouble with heat are kids and the elderly. And we see more heat stroke and heat exhaustion in the elderly than we do in middle-aged people or young adults. And we see um, much more uh, uh, heat sensitivity in the kids. They just can't cool themselves down. And um, uh, uh, we have to remember that cars get really hot. And there's already been nine um, uh, deaths in um, um, car overheatings for kids so far this year. Um, but there were um, some 20, 30 some last year. So uh, we need to pay attention to that. Keep the kids with you. The cars are not a safe place for them in summer. Um, Daniel saw a infomercial about leaky gut and it seemed like a sales pitch, although some of the statements need further investigation. Yeah, yeah. You know, anytime you see an ad, um, you're going to get a sales pitch. That's the way they're designed. They, they give you some information that sounds really interesting and then suck you into the um, pitch line. Um, that's normal. But the thing is, leaky gut's real. Um, when you uh, drink a glass of vodka, your gut begins to leak almost immediately. If you're sensitive to 
um, gluten and you eat gluten, your gut's going to leak. If you get a gastroenteritis from a influenza or another virus, your gut's going to leak. It happens. Um, ulcers, obviously, leaky gut. Ulcerative colitis, you got a leak in your lower colon. So, um, Although that sales pitch may have been, um, uh, you know, seeming sales pitch, he was probably trying to get you a product that might heal your gut. I just don't believe all infomercials are going to sell you the product that you need because I'm one who believes in individualized plans. Although we can do some generic things to help a lot of people, uh, taking fish oil, for instance, or taking a probiotic seems to benefit a lot of people. So, um, although that is, uh, an ad, uh, that's what it's intended to do. Um, <clears throat> here's one. Um, please also take some, talk something about the importance of sunshine exposure. Yes, um, I did mention that. And I think it's really important that we um, uh, uh, can help people with um, getting out into the sun. The as I mentioned, uh, walking in the morning will help lift your mood. There's actually a clinical study that shows if you walk 30 minutes every day, you will actually... Um, turn uh, back both type 2 diabetes and um, mild depression. And so um, begs the question, is depression really a disease or is it a condition of state? And if you shift your state by adding the joy of sunlight to your condition, maybe you lift it out of that feeling. I think we have another caller. We do indeed there. Dr. Harvey, I've got Paul. He has a question about um, a post-heart attack issue. Hey there, Paul. Yes. Hi, Dr. Brett. Thanks good morning. For the show. Uh, good morning. Hey, my, my girlfriend had a heart attack about a year ago. She had some stints put in. And uh, I would love a show on post-heart attack care. And she's on blood thinners. She sleeps and sleeps and sleeps. Uh, you know, just, just maybe, you know, the proper care after a heart attack as a show yeah. topic. I think that sounds great. We'll definitely talk about that one. Thank you for the input. And um, your uh, um, uh, girlfriend's uh, sleeping all the time. Um, sounds like it could be medication related because sometimes the medications they give to prevent another heart attack are a little sedating. Um, but one thing I know that helps everybody with cardiac disease is coenzyme Q10. It's an energy molecule and it helps your mitochondria, the little organelles inside your cells that make the energy happen. It facilitates what they do. So coenzyme Q10 is actually prescribed. There's a study from the University of Texas in 1987. Think about this. That many years ago, they were looking at CoQ10 and it showed that um, um, it would increase your cardiac output and help with cardiac failure, just like any other medication does. So it's it, really an important energy molecule. Is it CO-Q10? That's right. Coenzyme Q10, CoQ10. You'll, you'll find it at most health food stores. Great. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Paul. And I'll do that show sometime here in the future. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it looks like we need to go looking at some more emails there for a second there, Dr. Harvey. So... Hey, folks, I'm still here. So remember to call 813-239-9663. Um, Peter says, what's up, Doc? As requested today on your shows, here's a few topics I would think would be interesting. Bronchitis. Uh, 
Uh, glyphosate, there's a good one. Um, and the gluten connection to glyphosate. Uh, food, what foods to avoid and why? Plastics, where they are, how they affect our health, children's health. How do you feed your children uh, alternative diets that um, really could be highly beneficial as well? Excellent topics. Thank you, Peter. Keep those in mind for sure. And Scott asks that um, he listens to Dr. John Campbell, Dr. Mobin Sayed, and Medcram on YouTube. So those sound like some good topics. I don't know that Medcram is going to come on board, but um, we may get some uh, help from some others. Um, thinning hair. Lindsay wants to know, what do I suggest for thinning hair around the part and the crown? She's a healthy 40-year-old female who's been under stress. Well, that says it right there. Stress is well known to cause hair loss. It works by having the cortisol go up and interfere with thyroid hormone and production of proteins. When you're stressed, you don't build a lot of structural proteins. You build the molecules that help you keep running away from the tiger. And so um, I think that the best thing to do would be get into a stress management program of some sort, daily exercise, 20 minutes of walking out in the sun and uh, 20 minutes of good mindfulness, um, uh, guided meditation or other um, uh, uh, type of, of stress reduction. And I think that it would also be beneficial um, to consider a full hormone analysis like the Dutch test. I like the it's D-U-T-C-H and it's a urine test for comprehensive hormones. And it's been highly beneficial to follow that in my clients who are dealing with things like you are, Lindsay. So um, see if you can find a functional medicine doctor to order you a Dutch test and follow up on that. I believe we have a caller. We actually have a couple of callers. I've got Peter that's uh, going to be first, and then I've got two, Kathy and somebody else following closely behind. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, doctor. How are you doing today? Fantastic. How are you? Great, great. Uh, aside from a little bout of, um, I'm, I'm 90% sure, bronchitis. So my question is, um, yeah, this thing has been hanging in now for almost a month. And um, I'm taking all kinds of, um, you know, medicines, the, you know, NyQuil and things like that that I don't really want to take anymore because they're zoning me out for the rest of the day. Um, yes. So I've, I've, um, I've had this before, and I've taken um, calcium, magnesium, and zinc, uh, pantothenic acid, and vitamin C together that seems to work for um asthma but it doesn't really have too much effect on on this so uh i'm, I'm taking oregano oil i'm taking uh, olive leaf um and um um all kinds of stuff and nothing's really working for me uh, it's so, Peter, when you say you have bronchitis uh, are you having a regular daily production of mucus <clears throat> yeah, for the last month, yeah, and uh, and what and what running. what color is what color is that stuff? Uh, it's clear. It's not okay. Not so clear. you don't have an acute bacterial bronchitis, or it would be 
uh, colored more than likely. So you have some reactive airways and you're making mucus. Some things you can do to help calm that down are to um, use some N-acetylcysteine. NAC is an amino acid that helps to uh, control uh, thin out and then eliminate mucus. Um, it's usually 600, 500, 600 milligrams. And, um, the one caveat of that is sometimes it makes people a little bit of queasy, but it's really well tolerated by most. And, um, you may want to actually look into, uh, some allergy testing. Um, because maybe you are reacting to something currently. That could be something useful to look at. Um, and, I use a couple of different uh, herbal combinations from a company called Wind River Herbs. Um, Breathe Free Blend is a wonderful combination that helps to open up the airways. Um, a uh, Another one that's available at health food stores that helps with congestion a lot is called Beyond Pion. It's a Chinese herbal. It's B-I-Y-A-N-P-I-A-N. And that's been used for a couple thousand years, I believe. And um, it seems to help with congestion. But um, those are some things you could try uh, initially, Peter, and see how that works. Yeah, I'm taking <laughs> like a big collection of things I'm taking here, but not all at once. I'll try things for three or four days, see if it helps. And if it does not move on to something else, uh, quercetin. Uh, I, I was taking N-acetylcysteine. I kind of cut that out. I didn't think it was helping much, but I'll try it again. And, um, yeah, it's just rather annoying. I mean, I, I was, uh, getting back to running. I was up to, you know, four or five, six miles. And this thing just came from nowhere and just like, wow, just stop yeah. from running again. Well, quite often, if you get a cold, it will, the, the, the reactive airway will last three weeks to a month, um, uh, depending on how severe the injury to your airways was. And so this could be coming to the end of it as well, but um, those other things might help, Peter. Best wishes. Okay, thanks, Doc. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for your You too. Well, let's hope it is coming to the end for Peter. Um, I've got Kathy on the line with um, issues about tick bites and Lyme disease. Yes. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Hi, Kathy. Yeah, I... Um got bit by a tick about five or six days afterwards. I had the perfect little bullseye wound on my leg, which was interesting. I'm on doxycycline. I wonder if there's anything else I need to take or worry about or... Well, if you're taking doxycycline, um, that's a good start. Um, minimum of two weeks of treatment. Sometimes a month is a better idea. Um, you might want to support your system for dealing with organisms like this um, by taking extra vitamin C and uh, immune stimulation with a product like um, uh, beta-glucan. It comes from oats and from um, uh, mushrooms. Um, Immunotics is one brand name of it. Um, this helps your uh, uh, white blood cells clean up uh, an infectious mess like that. Um, but uh, yes, you're on the appropriate therapy. And that was another topic I was going to uh, mention because uh, more people are outside in the summer and ticks are present. And what, so tick disease. Little, little bitty, bitty one. But boy, all of a sudden I looked down there one day because like I said, it didn't come up right away. And I yes. have the perfect picture. I'm like, oh, that looks just like the picture so I went to the doctor immediately, but I just wanted to make sure if there was anything else I could do because 
I don't think Lyme disease is something I want to worry about. No, but I would actually consider getting a follow-up test to make sure that um, the antibodies to it are going down uh, later on. Um, but uh, you're on the right therapy, Kathy. Keep doing it. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, we got a lineup now. I've got Scott and Susan. They've both been waiting patiently. Let's get with Scott here. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Dr. Fred. Hello. Hi. Yeah, my issue is uh, carpal tunnel, uh, and I've, I've had a very, very painful time of it trying to play guitar. I'm a professional oh, yeah. musician, professional musician, and for years and years, it's been getting worse and worse. In the last month, I don't know if I pulled a tendon or something, but it's so painful. It's just constantly painful now, no matter what position I put my hand, try to make a chord or anything. But I, No, that's I, not good. I, no, I, I don't want to keep taking ibuprofen just to take the pain away. I'm right. wondering if there's anything. People tell me turmeric, turmeric is good, and there's certain natural things I'd rather do. Well, taking, taking, taking oral pills, though, taking oral pills for a repetitive use injury is not going to really solve the problem. You're, no. you, you, use, <laughs> you use that arm all the time. So have you had physical therapy? No. All right. You need to have a physical evaluation of what's going on there. Um, I would look at um, a physical therapist. I would also consider muscle activation technique because it could be that the way you use your hand in that position, maybe deactivating a muscle, activating it may reset the system. Um, deep tissue massage is very useful. Um, laser can be very useful. Class four, hot laser. Certain chiropractors and physical therapists use it. So I would get a physical evaluation of that and see what some clinicians think, what's going on there, and see if you can get some help. Muscle activation technique is really okay. powerful, too. Uh, what's the last one? Muscle activation technique. And you can oh, yeah. uh, Google that one. That's the one I wrote down. And now I okay. would go see a, P a PT, a physical therapist? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and you could go see an orthopedist too, but you need some therapy on that. And I'd go directly to the therapist because a physical therapist is allowed to see you um, initially yeah, yeah. Uh, without a doctor's order. Now, now recently also, uh, Dr. Fred, I had someone look at my palm of this hand, on my left hand, and there's crevices and bumps. And she, she's a urologist. She said, oh, my goodness, you have a very rare disease called Viking's disease. Oh, it's, it's hereditary. Have you ever heard of this? Never. It's very rare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because of, I'm, I'm Scott Irish and I have Viking sort of heritage. Oh, yeah, there's definitely know. Vikings in the Scott heritage. Oh, yeah. She didn't, she didn't know that, but when she, she saw my hand, she said, oh, my gosh, you have something called Vikings disease. And she brought up the real name of it, the, the medical name. I don't remember what it was. I didn't write it. Down. Oh, okay. It's it's actually Depoitrens contracture, um, and um, it is a uh, um, um, inflammation of the tendons of your palm, and right. so it causes contractures. So you you definitely need to see somebody about this. Maybe an orthopedist too, because you've got an ongoing process, and it's all connected. She said. She said your hand's going to end up like a claw, and it does want to be in a claw position all the time now, like I'm grabbing something, because that's what I've been doing my whole life, is putting it yes. in a position. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, you need uh, some repetitive use injury work, my friend. Okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. You're doing such a great job. Much love to you all. 
Glad to help, Scott. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, we're looking to add about eight more minutes, just a shave under that. So I've got Susan on the line here. Good morning, Susan. Uh, hi, Dr. Fred. Um, hi. I would like to know how you would recommend treating polymyalgia rheumatica. My sister was diagnosed with it, and she is totally um, a Western medicine and um, has asked me if, Oh, I knew how what I what I might suggest. So I just thought of asking you. I have no idea. Very good. Polymyalgia rheumatica is an inflammatory condition. It's an autoimmune type condition, but it doesn't fit the definition of lupus or rheumatoid arthritis. Um, it's rather um, um, unknown what causes it. But from in my clinical practice, it seems to have in most cases been triggered by a viral infection. Um, but the treatment in the functional world would be to look at things that would be promoting more inflammation, remove them from your being. So clean up the diet, do an anti-inflammatory diet like the AIP protocol or the WALS protocol. Um, and also um, look at using um, antioxidants, um, um, fish oil to help with inflammation. Look at the gut microbiome because there could be uh, bacteria in there that actually trigger the polymyalgia. Uh, bacteria like Klebsiella and um, Morganella have um, um, chemicals in them that promote inflammation in the body. So you want to do a functional medicine cleanup, basically, uh, because otherwise you're consigned to taking prednisone. Right. And she has been taking prednisone and has gone through a lot of pain because of that. Um, yes. And, and nausea. And I, I think that, that you don't have to do that. So, um, so you're recommending the, um, to clean up her diet and get a function. Functional medicine, uh, what was the last thing that you recommended? Consultation. Talk with the con functional medicine doctor about how to get better. Okay. And so earlier on the show, you gave a website, the F, uh, uh, IFM.org. Yep. That's the one. IFM.org. Thank you so much. Um, you are I so welcome. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. We're down to, I guess they call it the lightning round. We're about four minutes, and I've got Jay on the line with another Lyme question, Lyme disease question. Hi. Hello, Jay. Hi. Um, yeah, quick question. I got bit by a chick in Vermont at the end of May, and I had a Lyme disease test, and my 41 KD LGG came back 1.12, which apparently is 0.03 above the outer limit of the range. Should I be tested again? I never had yes. a cold. I don't. Yes. Did you, did you have that test done at LabCorp request? Uh, I'm not sure. I had it done at the VA. Okay. So it was a standard test. They don't use technology that actually looks for the uh, other Lyme uh, organisms. And so <clears throat> I would um, look for a Lyme literate doctor. Um, you can find that uh, through the ILADS group or, or actually a functional medicine doctor. Many of them are um, Lyme literate. And so you need a better test because the 41 band on that test cross-reacts with Epstein-Barr virus and gluten sensitivity. So you have a very equivocal test. 
Okay, uh, they did a whole bunch of them. They were all non-reactive except for that one. If they did it at the VA, they did the one that only looks for the bug from Lyme, Connecticut. It doesn't look for the ones that are on the rest of the country, including the ones from Florida and Georgia. So um, if it only showed up that one band, we don't know if you have had it or not. We need a better test. Okay. All right. I will do that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Well, do I go to wrap up some emails? Yeah, actually, I was going to read a poem. Robin sent us another poem. Here's her summertime poem. The sun beating down on faces. Faces looking for color. The color of summer. But it's more of a feeling, a feeling of days gone by. Like tire swings and bare feet. Sandy beaches and salty air. Sunscreen. The sun beating down on faces that are tired and fading. Thank you, Robin. Another beautiful way to kind of end up a show. Um, I think um, we've got a lot of suggestions for uh, shows. Thank you very much. That's going to be helpful. And um, the uh, um, next show, um, since uh, this is um, summer and we I didn't even get to um, uh, uh, sunglasses. So I think let's do eye health next week because July is eye health month. And um, then I'll start adding some of these other uh, shows that you've mentioned on board. That sounds like a capital idea. We've all got eyes, and mine kind of get, you know, flaky, I guess, sometimes out in the sun. So I'd like yes. to thank everybody, and I'd like to thank you, Dr. Harvey, for a great show. And so until next Monday at 10 o'clock, well, I want our participants to think about calling on in and participating, but I also want to thank them and say stay healthy. Y'all are the greatest. Thank you, Bill. You've been listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WNF Tampa. Seconds away is five minutes of NPR news and it presents Sustainable Living, hosted by the award-winning team of Kenny Coogan and Annie Ellis. Their guest today is author Ginny Steibolt, and she's here to talk to us about gardening tips for the Florida transplant. So until next Monday at 10 a.m., thank you for supporting and listening to the Healthy Steps Radio Show with Dr. Fred Harvey here on WNF Tampa, your community-conscious radio station. Stay safe, stay thoughtful, and know that you are loved.